Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Hello, and welcome to Killer Hangover, episode 120. (laughs) I'm Beth. And I'm Bettina. And this is episode 120, Bizarities. Ah, my favorite. Mom's favorite. (laughs) And I know last time we said that she had three, she actually narrowed it down, y'all. I did because it just kept going. (laughs) She loves these bizarre stories. I mean, when we were prepared to head down to the studio to record, she was like, I just don't think you understand how much I love these bizarreities. (laughs) The world is full of bizarre things. So we can't come to an end because there's so many bizarre things in this world. But unfortunately, Mom, there are a lot of true crime stories out there. Oh, yeah. We can't do bizarre all the time. Oh, my gosh. But this every 10 is so much fun. Oh, it's fascinating. I'm really excited to share my story. And <laughs> Mom is too. too. She's over there like bouncing in her chair. Oh, yeah. We're, we're recording together. <laughs> Which is always... So much more fun. So much more fun than staring at a stupid little screen. So mom chose the drink. I did. And she's very excited about that too. Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to do things a little different. I want you to taste it. Okay. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Do you want me to explain what I'm about to sip from? Because it's very interesting looking. Oh my gosh. No. I'm so excited about these glasses too. And they don't really fit the theme. I mean, I kind of feel like we should be drinking some whiskey out of these. And I'll tell you why. We had a listener, an amazing listener, Missy, sent us these glasses that have a bullet going through them. They're awesome. They are so cool. And they don't really fit to the what I'm going to talk about. Probably not you either. But no, they're so But they are so on theme to our regular episode. Yeah. And I had to use them tonight. (laughs) And we were in need of new highball glasses too. No, they're perfect. They're not too big. They're not too small. They're absolutely perfect. With these cool golden bullets. They're so cool. Yes. I know mom has already thanked you, Missy, but thank you. Uh, Big public thank you. These are so stinking cool. (laughs) Thanks for thinking of us. Um, This drink is actually, I guess, supposed to be served in like a martini glass. But again, I couldn't help it. Had to use them. So take a sip, my dear. Is it bad luck that we cheersed like a long time ago? No. Should we cheers again? (laughs) Can we cheers again? Okay. Okay. Forbid we have bad luck. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. There is definitely some cacao in this. (laughs) There is some cacao (laughs) but it's red why is it red well the name of the cocktail is the bloody aztec okay Okay, i have to be honest i knew that was the name only because alex came up to me when i was 
saying goodnight before we came down to record and he goes your mom just asked me <laughs> if i wanted some bloody aztec and i looked at her weird because that's not something you hear from your mother-in-law very often <laughs> i offered it to him and he, he just looked at me and goes well i wasn't expecting that <laughs> but mom really <laughs> would you like some bloody aztec <laughs> Alex, you should know by now. <laughs> you can never predict what's going to come out of my mouth. It is called a bloody Aztec. It is a shot and a half of tequila, a shot and a half of cacao. <laughs> it also has a half a shot of grenadine, and then two shots of cream, like heavy whipping cream. The grenadine makes it that red, though. You didn't put that much in there. Well, you know... Weirdly enough, the grenadine's settling to the bottom of this longer it sits. So there's like two layers to this thing. I don't know why, but it's pretty darn cool. Now, there was another bloody Aztec that did not use cream and it did not use grenadine either. It wanted me to put red food coloring on the bottom of the glass and then pour the mixed alcohol. So the tequila and the cacao mixed up on top of the red food coloring. But you told me I couldn't do anything red. I, I did. Because I know what you're covering for your story. <laughs> she Another thing she brings up to me during lunch. <laughs> she, I, I'm just going to prepare you guys. These bizarreties may not be y'all's cup of tea. I'll give a definite warning for mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but the cocktail is really good. It has a weird aftertaste, I think, because I'm not a big... It tastes like that aftertaste of like medicine. Like you know I think that comes about? from the grenadine. I think it is from the grenadine. Yeah. And I'm a huge chocolate covered cherries fan. So as you're sitting here telling me that and I took another sip, I'm expecting like, is this like my favorite candy? No, it really isn't. <laughs> it's good. It's definitely good. That's tequila in there. Uh-huh. Huh. Huh. You would expect maybe like a whiskey or a brandy. Nope. But it's a tequila. 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 Tequila yes. and cacao. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. All right. Enjoy. I'm going to drink it really fast. So I'm not drinking this while you're telling your story. <laughs> my gosh. I was eating lunch when I put my story together. Okay. I have a tough stomach. So anyway. So the website I got this off of is a little different from what we usually use. It's kelatos.com.au. Cocktails, how to make a bloody Aztec. I will, of course, post that on our website. All right, I'm going to start this with a warning. <laughs> if you have a weak stomach or if you're eating while listening, you may want to wait for an hour or so after you eat to resume listening. I, I rolled my eyes. <laughs> I just don't know how she ended up on this topic. Go on, mom. All right. I, I'm a sociology major, psych minor from college a long time ago. But anyway, I've always been interested in cultures. And I thought, oh, you know, it'd be cool is to research cannibalistic tribes and clans. And so that's how this all started. And that I thought it would be a pretty easy thing to do. I mean, 
I was interested in the subject. It was going to be easy to research and write up. And, you know, I mean, it's not like you hear about it all the time. You know, when was the last time you brought up cannibalism at a dinner party? Well, I don't go to many dinner parties, <laughs> but <laughs> but no, mom, I don't talk <laughs> about this subject. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> well, I was interested to find that there's so much more to cannibalism than, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer. So let me explain to you what I meant. Uh, there's so much historical, medical, and anthropological information out there on cannibalism that it took me literally days to research because one thing just led to the other, to the other, to the other. It was fascinating. So did you not eat during all these days? Like, I would not be able to eat. Oh, heck, I ate while I was doing this. Big old burger? <laughs> Big old... No. Ribs? No. Pork chop? No. A salad. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> there are actually nine different types of cannibalism, or what is called anthropo... 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 Four hours later. <laughs> there are actually nine different types of cannibalism, or anthropophagy. <laughs> what? Anthropophagy. Anthropophagy? That's... <laughs> Sounds a little better, but I still have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you're so smart. Anthropophagy. <laughs> I'm going to discuss a few of those. So survival cannibalism, which is defined as the need to eat another human as a result of starvation. You need? Oh, oh, oh. you're starving. You need survival. to. Survival. I get it. Okay, many instances of this come to mind. Jamestown in the colony of Virginia during the winter of 1609 and 10, where many of the colonists starved or died of disease. There has been forensic analysis done on some of the skeletal remains that were found on the Jamestown site, and it was determined that the marks on the bones were indicative of cannibalism. Didn't they all like disappear? Yeah. Didn't they like literally just like disappear? Uh, yeah, but obviously they found some bones because a lot of them died. So, in fact, I think I read that there were like 500 in the colony and like 60-something survived. Mm. So... Uh, then we have the Donner Party in Sierra Nevada or the rugby team that crashed in the Andes on October 13th, 1972 and had to eat their teammates who had died in order to survive the 72 days they were stranded in very harsh conditions. In China, during the famine years, which were 1958 through 1961, starvation cannibalism was not unheard of. In fact, poor families traded their children with neighbors' children so they wouldn't kill and eat their own child. Can I leave now? I'm just starting. The next form of cannibalism is pathological. This is the sick, sexual, perversive type. Like um, Jeffrey Dahmer, Joe the Cannibal, Matheny, who in 1996 killed two women and decided that he could make a little side money by starting a small barbecue stand and serving the dismembered parts of the women, making the customers unintentional cannibals. Oh my goodness. And then if you remember Catherine Knight from Australia, who I covered in episode 110. Yeah, she skinned her husband. 
or boyfriend yeah. or and then lover. cooked his oh. buttocks. Then moving on to another one is gustatory cannibalism. It's the eating of humans, not because of necessity or mental illness, but because the cannibal likes the taste. <laughs> in China, during the... I have nothing to say. <laughs> in China, during the Yan Dynasty, human meat was considered a delicacy of royalty in what? the upper class. What? Yep. And I guess they didn't eat this once or twice, but enough times that there were cookbooks written about how to prepare human flesh, including... Now this is going to sound like... a. In uh, Forrest Gump, 12,000 ways to cook shrimp. <laughs> That's what I thought of when I was writing this. But anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. So how to prepare Fried human shrimp, flesh, including baked shrimp, baking, broiled shrimp, roasting, broiling, <laughs> smoke drying, and sun drying. Eating fellow citizens was halted during the Cultural Revolution in the Nate late 1960s until then it was actually widespread throughout china now i'm gonna throw in here supposedly the brain and the muscles taste the best and i'm not gonna agree or disagree on that statement that makes me think of indiana jones and they open up the monkey skull the monkey skull that was (laughs) such a gross part and here i am talking about eating humans that's gross mom the monkey brains was gross. <laughs> Come on. Aren't you interested so far, though? Do you know who I feel sorry for? Are the people who it's like, hey, 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 man, you should listen to my favorite podcast, Killer Hangover. Okay, I'll go check it out. <laughs> episode 120. Okay, it's their newest episode. Let's go take a listen. What? <laughs> sorry. We're talking about bizarre things, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. The Europeans consumed human blood, bones, flesh, and most every other human body part in the name of medicinal cannibalism. This was just as it sounds, using human body parts for medical cures. This practice was widespread throughout Europe up until the early 19th century. Now, if you have a problem with bleeding, eh, you drink human blood. Drinking fresh blood would also cure epilepsy seizures and help with consumption did it though like did it really they they used proof of that they used it for years and years and years and when you say fresh blood i'll tell you how they get it oh good (laughs) there was of course a price for fresh blood and it was not easily obtained by the poor so they would gather at public executions with a cup in hand and for a small price to the executor would fill their cup with the fresh blood of the executed. Fresh blood was not the only, quote, blood cure. You could also dry it and make a powder for nosebleeds or sprinkle it on a cut to stop the bleeding. That that kind of makes me think of like women that use their placenta after they have their babies. Some of them have their placentas dried and put into like pill form to take Mm. for... For postpartum depression. They say that works. They say it's actually like really, really good for you. Well, that's that's eating one. But that's medicinal. Is it, would that be medicinal, uh-huh. medicinal cannibalism? It's called something else when you eat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> she said that with a straight face. <laughs> because I, I read about that too. <laughs> okay. 
have moving a, on. <laughs> if you have a severe, if you suffer from severe headaches, you ground skull bones into a tincture. Oh, my sister-in-law has terrible migraines. Now she <laughs> just need to find a skull. <laughs> Human fat was a cure-all for many ailments. Rubbing it on the skin, it was used for gout. In its powdered form, it was swallowed for bleeding problems or bruising. In a plaster form, the fat was mixed with hemlock and opium and placed on a wound or sore as a painkiller. I'm just saying with the hemlock and the opium, that's probably what stopped the pain. <laughs> I was just but... thinking that. <laughs> I mean, the opium will do the trick regardless. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> and where to get this mystical curing human fat? Well, you could walk into any drugstore and get a jar. <laughs> but our, okay, hold on. Not that this is going to make it any better. These are already from like deceased people that have like donated their bodies. They're not going around just like killing people just to get these for the most part. No, no, they're not killing. And the people haven't donated. They just are being used. It's not like back. In, it's not like, I mean, now we donate our bodies, but they didn't then. It was pretty much just assumed that your body's were, fair game. They were like, <laughs> to me, they would say, your dad, I get your fat. You have a <laughs> lot of fat. <laughs> You're going to be really good dead. Anyway, so you could walk into any drugstore and get a jar. The drugstore would get it from the executor by the poundful. Or you could strike the middleman and go straight to the executor. This is where I have to bring in Egyptian mummies. Okay, but hold on. You said executioner mm -hmm. or executor is what you call them. <laughs> executor. <laughs> The drug but are these like criminals then? The drugstore would get it from the executioner by the poundful, or you could strike the middleman and go straight to the executioner. So, but I, but these victims, <laughs> the victims, I hope, executioners are killing. criminals. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Or I don't know. They. I mean, mom. Let's be honest. Criminal or not, this is all just wrong. <laughs> exactly. Okay. This is where I'm going to bring in Egyptian mummies. I'm fascinated with mummies. In the tomb, mummies. Supposedly, the mummy's bones were the cherry on top of the ice cream. <laughs> the bones why could is, heal. Why would you phrase it like that? <laughs> fun. The bones could heal anything. Crush the bones to make a tincture to heal bleeding or place it on a bite or a pain joint as a plaster. Of course, this excitement over mummies caused a tremendous increase in grave and tomb rob robbing. And heck, if you don't have time to rob a tomb, just use the dead bodies of the poor criminals or animals. Yeah, why are we using human bones and fat? Why can't people just use animal bones and fat? That makes it much worse. I don't know why I just said that. I take it back. Yeah. So what, what they would do is say, well, we just robbed these tombs of these you know, mummies, but actually they were people that they had killed or they were animals or they were the criminals that they had killed. So this is what Egyptians did to the to sell their wares to the Europeans who were so fascinated with mummy bones. Mm. Yeah. They weren't like FDA approved. Definitely not. <laughs> the mummy trade was a thriving business. Okay, you said you're fascinated with mummies. Have you ever wondered where the term mummy came from? 
I actually have no idea. It's really interesting. Going away a little bit from cannibalism to something that might be interesting. (laughs) The first word was mamia, which is wax. This was a natural mineral pitch, which was only found on a certain mountainside in Persia. Okay. Had nothing to do with bodies or anything else. In the 11th century, the word mamia was turned to mummy. This referred... Mamia? Mamia. Mamia. <laughs> it's not mamma mia, it's mamia. This referred to the pitch-like substance found in Egyptian corpses due to the process of mummification. In the 12th century, the pitch was lost altogether and the term mummy referred to the entire corpse. Whether it be bodies found in Egyptian tombs or those found in the desert preserved by sandstorms, a mummy now is any dead human or animal that has been preserved so that the body does not decay any further. So that's where the word came from. Mamma Mia. She hasn't listened to anything. She's stuck on the song. I'm just enjoying myself. Are you though? Okay. I told you I wanted to drink that drink before you started. Of course, cannibalism or the eating of one's own species is a well-known action in nature. The black widow spider and the praying mantis are two examples of the female eating the male after mating. Spadefoot toed tadpoles are another example. The toes lay eggs in small areas of water, like a pothole in a street or something. (laughs) They have a tendency to dry up faster. So when the eggs hatch, there are some tadpoles that are larger than others. And that's where survival of the fittest comes in. In order to survive the water source drying up, these tadpoles have to mature quickly. So they eat the smaller tadpoles. Not only does this give them nutrients, but also alleviates the competition for the small space. This is nature. Okay, that's just instinctive nature. Okay. Sacrificial cannibalism is just what the name implies. And a perfect example of that is Aztec sacrifices. Thus the drink. Dun, 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 dun. New York anthropologist Dr. Michael Harner suggests that these were not only religious in nature, but also a way for the Aztec peoples to get protein, which was scarce in the densely populated cities. Unlike other cultures, the Aztec did not have animals such as pigs and cows. They often ate bugs, worms, rats, and snakes for protein. But that was usually not enough to sustain them. It's estimated that there were 250,000 people sacrificed each year. That's a lot. Yeah. There were several towns in the Aztec world, and sacrifices were a common event in every town. So, again... Are they just like picked from a crowd? Like The people did not sacrifice or eat their own. The towns would have small conflicts, really, to get people to sacrifice. Oh my gosh. So they went to war, I guess, with a neighboring town, but it was more of a capture, less killing and more capturing people. Then they would take the prisoners And they would confine them in these cages, be kept in these cages, and they would be fed. And this doesn't make sense to me because they didn't have enough food. Why were they feeding these people? (laughs) Yeah, I was actually just going to ask that. I thought the whole town was starving. (laughs) 
How are they all going to feed off this one person now? Okay. Well, they fed him until they were plump enough to sacrifice and consume. This information is from the writings of Hernando Cortez and Bernal Diaz. And they're both, of course, the conquerors of the Aztecs in 1512. According to the writings of Diaz, the person who had been fatted up would be led to the top of those tall thousands of steps pyramid that you all have seen. Yes. He would be laid on his back and the Aztec priest would cut open his or her chest and take out the still pulsing heart to be offered to their gods. Kalima! Reminds <laughs> me of Indiana Jones. Yep. <laughs> Man, this is all about Indiana Jones. Yep, it is. I know. Their heads would then be cut off. Writings state that there were like 136,000 skulls found lined up on a rack at just one of the pyramids. After mm. the heads were cut off, the body would be kicked down the steps. And that's when the butchers of the town stepped in, cutting off the arms and legs to be fed to the townspeople, doused in a sauce of peppers and tomatoes. But these, um, again, not like this is making it better. They're cooked, right? Yeah, they're cooked. Okay. Let's see the whole town just like going after this arm like a chicken bone. Like, I didn't really know what the you're pictures, talking about. pictures, oh my gosh, there's earlier pictures. <laughs> it's just like, oh. Oh. Again, it doesn't make it any better. The last I will cover, but only briefly, ritualistic cannibalism. And this is one that most people are familiar with because most of us have heard about the tribes that live deep in the Amazon basin, the Congo, and Fiji. These forms of cannibalism are done for a number of reasons, ranging from love and respect to revenge. Ritualistic cannibalism is actually what got me looking into this topic. Personally, I had no idea that there were so many forms, different forms of cannibalism. And the patrons, if you want to learn more about ritualistic cannibalism, I'll be covering some tribes and clans that have and are present day practicing this in our next Patreon episode. Hey, five bucks a month for great extra information on a variety of subjects. Yeah, can't beat it. (laughs) a little plug (laughs) (laughs) good job mom good job um obviously we'll talk about this more on patreon quick question are you going to cover that guy who's like a a photographer or videographer and he went to see that tribe went to a tribe that lived on stilts and they he was invited i mean he had some scary moments but he was invited into the tribe for a night or whatever. The night was kind of weird for him. but um, He wasn't eaten? No, he was not eaten. He lived to tell the tale? He did. And to show the pictures? Oh my gosh, I cannot wait for this episode. Oh, now she can't wait. <laughs> okay, well, you're nearing the end, right? I'm done. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm done. The next one is for our patrons. So come on, was that just not... At least a little bit interesting. It was. And it wasn't as gruesome as you let on. It's not like you gave us a recipe or anything like that. I can. I found some. Oh my gosh. That's so weird. Mom, that's weird. Please don't. But I'm actually really interested. In a recipe? (laughs) Is it cooked like regular meat? Basically. Like you could put it in a crock pot? Well, they didn't use crock pots back in those days, but... (laughs) I'm sure if they did have crockpots, they would. So the brain is the most tasty? 
Yeah, it's actually the most tasty and most nutritious. <laughs> the brain. What do you think like the butt? Because it's like. The butt? Has more meat to it. Well, the butt's muscle. So it's probably tasty. Well, <laughs> I said brains and muscle. I know, but I'm asking specifically the buttocks <laughs> because it's thicker, right? Or I guess a thigh. Okay, I'm actually just going to grab my notes <laughs> and move on. You're getting now I'm, more, over, you're I'm getting overthinking this. More into this than I did. <laughs> I'm overthinking it. I'm sorry. I, there was a picture actually of old um, European, you know, Middle Ages when they were doing this, uh, like these vials, and they were in a container and like a doctor's container, and the vials were filled with human fat that they would, I guess, take a syringe and pump them into somebody. <laughs> I cannot imagine. This is all just so crazy to me. I know. It's bizarre. <laughs> Wow. Good plug, mom. <laughs> Moving on. We are taking a sharp left turn, like way away from what we were just talking about. So now you can eat. <laughs> Buckle up. Children say the darndest things. I mean, most children, especially my children. They don't have a filter. My four-year-old watched me as I got into the pool the other day and said, Oh, you have legs just like baby Finn. <laughs> Baby Finn has nice, chunky baby rolls. <laughs> and after you talking about cannibalism, this has been ruined. <laughs> oh. Nolan didn't mean any harm by what he said. He just has no filter. No, he really doesn't. <laughs> he, he says some of the craziest things. Now, my oldest son, Aiden, <laughs> well, some of the things he says... These things are going to lead into my topic. Every Friday night, we have a flamly movie night. <laughs> Family, uh, they call it flamly. You know, they're four and six. What can I say? We order pizza from a different place every Friday. We try new pizzas around the city. It's actually really fun to try. We've had some horrible pizzas. Oh, no. And we've found some of our favorites. But we sit and we watch a movie together. And the other week, we decided to introduce the boys to Harry Potter. Ooh. The pizza is served, the movie begins, and the boys are essentially hooked right away. Well, in the opening scene, I don't know if you remember, but it's Dumbledore, Hagrid, and Professor McGonagall. And they're bringing baby Harry to his aunt's and uncle's house in mm -hmm. the middle of the night. So I'm watching and I'm thinking in my head, wow, Maggie Smith. That's the actress that plays Professor McGonagall. Oh, uh-huh. Like, I was thinking this, like, she looks the same age in everything I've seen her in. She just, like, she looks older. I was like, wait, what is, what's the movie I'm thinking about where she's older in? And I'm just thinking in my head this as the movie's going on. Out of nowhere, Aiden turns, looks at me and says, that Peter Pan movie, Hook. Oh, my gosh. Uh, did I say what I was thinking out loud? I didn't think so. I literally stopped the movie, asked Alex, was I talking out loud? Did you hear me thinking about anything? <laughs> yeah. I was so confused. Aiden, I asked Aiden, like, did you hear, did you hear me? He, he was as confused as me. Like, he was just like, what? What are you talking about? I just answered your question. 
but I never verbally said anything. Oh my gosh, that kid. And then literally, this just happened a few days ago. I had just finished making dinner and I called everybody to the table. And Sundays are my sheet and towel washing days. So as everybody was coming to the table, I went up to the laundry room to switch out from wash to dryer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We were not going to be sleeping in clean beds. We'd be sleeping on nothing at that point. I was way behind. And I found Toothy. Now, Toothy is Aiden's stuffed animal. He's had him for a long time. He's this little beanie baby that he's obsessed with. I mean, this dinosaur has gone into surgery with Aiden. He had been missing for a week. Oh, no. And I found him while I was switching out the laundry. He must have been wrapped up in the sheet. I come downstairs and Aiden, Nolan, Alex are all sitting around the table. They're talking about some Lego that Aiden was trying to build or create. And all I said was, hey, Aiden, guess what? He looks at me and he goes, where? So weird. I didn't have Toothy in my hand. I didn't say anything about Toothy. He knew exactly what I was that I found Toothy. Is that not bizarre? It is. It, it is. But so, he's always been a very intuitive type of, I mean, he's he's had a, a friend and, uh, you know, an, an invisible, invisible friend. friend yes. And he's he's just, I believe he's got a gift. As I said, children say the darndest things. And many, many say that they are more in tune with the spirit world than we are. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not that children are more in tuned, but maybe it's their innocence that allows them to be psychic or see spirits. I mean, think about it. Think about their imagination. They are so open to the idea of magic or fairies and pirates. Mm-hmm. So when they have a vision or they have that attuned feeling to nature, they believe it. Just like they believe in fairies and fairy circles and making fairy houses. And I mean, I remember that as a little girl. It's not filtered through like adult thoughts or what can be real or can't be real. You know what I mean? Like think about it. I'm going to use my baby who's one. If he were to see a spirit, right? He just knows what he sees. He doesn't know that that is a A deceased person or a spirit energy or an aura. If he sees like colors over people's heads, like you just, he He just knows what he sees. He sees it. Yeah. So he reacts to it. Maybe he waves or he giggles. There's no filter. There's no fear aspect to it because he sees what he sees. Mm -hmm. So maybe children are the same. Just some food for thought. Now, of course, you have the other side to this. Children do have imaginations. (laughs) They do. And many psychologists will say it's the imagination that creates the sights of spirits or imaginary friends. If they're feeling the emotion of being scared, maybe they're looking for that outlet of blaming it on something to make it okay for being scared. Or as much as we'd hate to say it, we, you know, our children feed off of us. So if they've seen us scared of snakes, <laughs> then then they start to be scared of snakes. Right. Or if they see that we're a little more timid in the dark, then they're going to start to get a little more timid in the dark. Sure. If they know that mommy and Yaya have a podcast about ghosts, they're a little more open to the, open idea, to of the idea of ghosts. <laughs> so it's it is their environment, too. And then they have an imagination on top of that. So it's like a lot of psychologists just it's your imagination. It just it makes you wonder, like, is this ESP, 
extrasensory perception? Like, do kids have a sixth sense? And then you grow out of it because you start to grow that filter. Right. I keep thinking about the Polar Express. Oh, yeah. That's actually a really good... Because the magic of Christmas and then you grow out of it as you become an adult and you can't hear the bell ring anymore. And it's, that makes me really... so sad. That's, uh, yeah, it's very sad. But... You're right. You grow up because your surroundings are telling you that that's wrong or that's not the norm. So you start to create these filters. And so you start to block it out. Well, you stop believing. But my personal opinion too. think about like way back in the day when you don't have all this electricity and cable and how in tuned humans were with nature. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, we're just not so in tuned with nature anymore. We're dependent on other things in our surroundings and not our gut feelings or our gut yeah, senses. Stupid phones, yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's so it's the same thing. As a child, you're dependent on just like what you see and what you feel. You're not dependent on everybody else's feelings or how they perceive things. Right. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Now, there is a psychiatrist. His uh, name is Jim B. Tucker, who studies this whole subject. Mostly he studies children with past life regression. They remember parts and pieces of their past lives, which I got a lot of information on. And like, mom, I could have just gone days (laughs) reading this. So I've decided I'm going to make this into a separate episode. Eventually, I am going to cover this because it was fascinating. These past life regression stories I was reading, like, okay, I'm going to give one example. This kid, he kept telling his parents, you're not my mom. You're not my dad. You're not my mom. You're not my dad. I'm so-and-so. I was married to so-and-so. And it just progressed as he got older. I think he was like three and then four. And he kept saying like, I'm so-and-so. And they lived, I believe, in South Africa. I have to, obviously, I'll have much better idea of <laughs> specifics for the episode. But he kept saying, like, I am so-and-so. I was married to so-and-so, and I was murdered. Oh, and he my you couldn't even say who murdered him. And he had a birthmark on the place that he said that he was sh- shot at. And it's it was crazy. Well, so they went and they visited this Jim B. Tucker. And he does tests and he talks to families and kids and everything. But he, he followed through and he, they took this kid back to the tribe. He said he was from. Oh, my gosh. He knew the, he knew the area. He took them to a dead body that had a bullet wound in the exact place he told them it was. What? And then the man who he said did it ended up confessing to that murder. Uh Uh-uh. I am not kidding. There are so many stories of this. It's insane. O-M-G. And again, I will go way more into this in another episode. I'm just hooking you because it was insane. Well, if you remember, Aiden had a a backstory. He had a backstory. When he was, how old is he? He told me all this. Like three. Three. Mm-hmm. But he said that he was married. He told me that he was married. He's like, I was married and I lived in a big, big building in a city. And I had lots of kids. <laughs> That's what he told me. <laughs> yeah. So it makes you curious. It, it makes you well, wonder. Yeah. If there's proven cases. Definitely. So this Jim B. Tucker, he essentially studies the balancing science and the paranormal. So he studies kind of the mixture of the idea of both of them. Okay. He studies this at the Division of Perceptional Studies at the University of Virginia. Now, like I said, he really studies children who report visions of their past lives. But they also have children that come in that report seeing dead relatives or doing and saying things that their parents just 
cannot explain. So there can be a happy medium, no pun intended, of the possibility of some truth to it. I would love to sit down and talk to him. I bet he's got some great stories. Mm. And I will cover some that I've read. He has a book out. I'm going to try to read it before the episode. Like, I really want to go in depth in this because it was really fascinating. Have you ever seen the show Psychic Kids? No. Didn't even know there was one. It was on A&E probably in the early 2000s. I used to be obsessed. I mean, these are kids with real gifts. And it was really fun to watch. I was always really jealous. (laughs) (laughs) But these gifts ranged from being psychic to being mediums. Well, in 2019, the original kids from the original Psychic Kids show came back on. So they started the show again. And those kids came back on to help the new kids with their gifts. And I mean, it's it's really good. They're, they're talking to seven or eight year old kids. And for example, this seven year old used to see what she called the gray people outside her windows all the time. Oh, She was seeing really ugly things. She was seeing blood, bullet holes, people without limbs. And she called them the gray people. And her parents, they don't know what to do about this. I mean, she was terrified. I'm terrified right now. She started to withdraw from school. From She used to love dance. She started to withdraw from dance. I mean, she was seeing things that just didn't make sense. And how old was she when she she was was seven? Oh, my gosh. But not before. She never had anything And I started to progress as she got to seven. And the show essentially helps these kids uh, because it helps the parents who can't see and don't know what these children are feeling, helps them kind of understand what these kids are feeling. And it helps guide the kids to use their gifts or close off their gifts or, you know, how to treat and understand their gifts. So we've kind of chatted about the superstitious aspect to these children and their gifts. You know, there are scientists that study this. There are doctors that study this. There are people that just kind of write it off as imagination. So I wanted to talk to a friend of mine that is an intuitive herself. She is a Reiki master and an intuitive here in Kansas City. And I wanted to kind of call and just chat with her. And she shared with me some amazing things and I really wanted to share them with you guys. So I'm like writing down viciously as she's talking to me. But then I said, can can I actually just record our phone conversation? Because you were verbalizing this way better than I could ever. And she was absolutely willing to. She loved it. She really thinks it's important to just share the idea of all of this. And I, as do I. I agree. So I have her interview. I'm going to play it for you guys. It is a little white, noisy, kind of hard to hear sometimes. So I do apologize because I was just recording her on speakerphone. But it's really fascinating what she had to say. Her name is Christy Marsh. She works with kids often. And she said that they really help her to kind of see into their world. She has had these gifts of intuition since she was really young. And it's really easy for her to interpret what these children may be experiencing. Okay, so here's our little, I can't even call it interview. It's more of just a little chit chat. So you obviously have a gift. Do you want to share just a little about what you do? And did you experience things as a child? Kind of led you to your path right now. 
Yeah, so I'll say the second question, the answer to the second question first. Yeah, so when I was a kid, I had multiple make-believe friends or imaginary friends. I call them imaginary because there's really no make-believe. Like, imaginary is actually real. We just mm-hmm. don't can't maybe the adults can't quite see it so I had six or seven and my mom I was so lucky to have a mom who was really open about it and so she would even make cupcakes on their birthdays I of course I think made up their birthdays because I don't think they actually literally had any but <laughs> made them up. and um, she was kind enough to like open doors and they were all having to come in after me and, and I legitimately saw them like they were real to me oh my gosh and, and it created like this connection to the other realm to the other world and and I trusted it like that's all it took is for me to trust them and they were my friends and and they led me I and mean, this could be like a five-hour conversation so to make it really <laughs> short but it led me to really trusting that now like everybody I kind of shut that off at one point because it wasn't cool it wasn't something other people did so I didn't really kind of keep that door open but then when I got sick I, I had with a lot of anxiety and panic attacks back in when I was 22 and then that opened the door again for me because if you've ever had panic or any illness you kind of jump out of body it's kind of an outer body experience Mm -hmm. because you have a hard time trusting your body you don't know what's going on and that allowed me to jump back into that space of where I originally was when I was little and then that started coming through as automatic writing for me it's just writing in a journal and I start getting answers from these guides it turned out to be as I call my guide team like you know these tribes that was in a different realm if you will Mm -hmm. um, giving me answers to and solutions really to what was happening in my body and within six months all symptoms were clear and most certainly trusted what they were telling me and so I do that for a living I've been doing that for 16 years now I've been uh, I do Reiki I teach Reiki which is basically how to heal yourself but the majority of people come I think for their connection their spirit guides to really understand that that world is real and that they can have access to that at any point and my goal is to not have them be depend on me to do that but to really learn that they have that within their own selves so when kids come I get really excited because I don't have to prove anything to them I don't Mm -hmm. have to um, tell them anything they know they know that the imagination is what opens the door to that realm so isn't that interesting as adults we learn like don't make things up that's just your imagination but it's actually the key that unlocks the door to that realm to that magical realm of guides are always with you yes Um, so I just decided not to to believe that I decided that there there must be something beyond what we can see with our physical eyes and I knew as a kid so I just remembered it and somehow luckily do I make a living doing it (laughs) so I don't even know where to start. So you mentioned that a lot of parents have been coming to you with their children. Can you tell me more about that? I'm this is crazy. I I thought it was just me and I was on my own here. I love to hear that this is this is a thing. Yeah, this is a thing. Um there's been probably a handful, at least six or seven, who which to me is a lot. We don't typically have this topic that uh, comes up. So I've had calls in this year. It wasn't 2020. It wasn't 2021. 2022, and it's people just calling. From, some from California because I used to live there, and then other people just are referred from other parents, and they call and they have a question like a long distance session. And one of the questions they have is, "Hey, my kid is reading my thoughts. Like they, it's like they're telepathically picking up on what I'm about to say or what I have said or what I've had a conversation with my husband about the night before, and." they'll come into my room and start talking to me about it and these are little ones wow four or five small small kids 
And they're like, what's happening? (laughs) Is that the veils between worlds are very thin right now, or I should go even beyond that. It used to be thin, meaning like the communication between our world and guide world and even ghost realm and all that was pretty thin, thinning. And now if I can be bold here, that the realms and the worlds are connected. Like there isn't even a veil. Wow. So the kids come straight from source. You know, they come mm-hmm. right in the world from source. It's really around seven or so. And I like take that that number lightly. The that the pineal gland, the part of the gland, you know, the uh third eye, if you will, the psychic ability, the connection to intuition, being able to see things, being able to sense things. Those are very heightened for children until about six or seven. Interesting. Our society, um, or just more how we live, starts teaching that, you know, whatever you can't see is not real. Right. Um, And so then they unlearn it, right? It's like more of an unlearning. But really, that's always with us. It's always present with us. So I say that too, like adults have it as well. We just have to unlearn what they told us that it wasn't there. Right. So kids are very apt to have that regardless. Like all the years, it didn't have to be 2022. Well, now we're in 2022 where like the worlds are merging. And so uh, people can feel, like we say, heaven on earth. Like that's been the goal of it, if you will. Like I need to use that word goal, but that's kind of what we've been talking about for a long time. It's like, wouldn't it be beautiful to have heaven on earth? Well, we do. We actually have the experience right now to have heaven on earth. And so people say, like, why? There's so much craziness going on and it can feel quite hellish and so many people are dying and all that. And the way that the 3D world works, earth, is we work through duality. So we work, we find out who we are by what who we are aren't right we find out we don't like we like we find out what we like based on what we don't like so we're seeing the extremes of things because on this planet we actually went into duality so it's not that it's bad or good but we're trained to think it's good or bad or good so back to the point kids are seeing heaven on earth here and in heaven and other realms there is no such thing as time Mm -hmm. like we have so they're able to step outside of time the concept of time and so that means whatever you're thinking they can think and and sense because they are you they actually don't feel experience themselves as separate than you so this whole world of thinking we're separate beings and we're different from each other is quite odd actually it's them and the truth of it is we are the same we're just in different bodies or different containers but we're actually finding out we're all the same energy we're all the same thing so the the point of that is they can sense you as you in the same home as thought and thought is energy so they feel it yes <laughs> amazing. yeah and they can just sense it and the thing with kids is they don't have an edit button or a filter it's just they what's there yeah yeah, I, that's just so crazy that you say like they are you. My pediatrician literally was just talking to me about that because you know how a child will usually say dada uh, because they recognize that they feel like they are mom. They feel that you are, I'm with my son all the time. And so, you know, not saying my husband's not, but he is less because he's at work. And so, you know, my son always says dada all the time and not mama. And she goes, well, that's because you are with him and he cannot separate himself from you right now. That's right. He yeah, thinks that nice. you are one. And oh, so wow. He senses, he senses himself as you speaking your thoughts. <laughs> it is amazing. And I try not to react in the way that I want to. Like, I want to be like, what? what, what, what? <laughs> but, yeah. but I can't yeah. because I don't want to scare him. It's both ways, too. So yes. If that portal is open, that also means you can sense his 
And the beautiful thing with that is um, he, that's how healing works. So we step into somebody else's energy field through reverence and honor, of course. You are connected to them. You're merged with them so you can see what could be there to be healed. And so you can also heal anything that's going on with him because that solar plexus connection is open for both of you. So you're one. Wow. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. And then also on the other side of it is recognizing he can, he's an empath for sure. Like oh, yes. He can sense everything. And so then it's being mindful of like how even the thoughts that you think about within yourself, about yourself, he's going to sense. And the beautiful thing with kids is they're your teacher. Like they are going to show you they can't lie. You can't lie to yourself because he's going to show you what you're thinking <laughs> about yourself. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, I am absolutely going to have you on the podcast for, I mean, much more. <laughs> you are a wealth of information here. Thank you. But Thank you so much. I, you know, Aiden had a imaginary friend, Dr. John. Dr. John was around since he was, could talk. Uh, mm. And only Amazing. recently did Dr. John become this Oh, you know, mom, I don't, I don't think Dr. John was really there or, you know, he's just my imagination is what Aiden says. And, and I hate that that's becoming that to him because I really do think that Dr. John was, uh, he was a good thing. There was a lot of times where we tell him, you know, you need to sit up at the dinner table. He goes, yes, Dr. John told me I have to chew with my mouth closed too. simple things like that where I want I want to believe that it was more than just an imaginary friend yeah so it it uh, most certainly is but they also we're told that like it's probably your imagination it can be real and then what happens is the pineal gland will start to kind of shut down a little bit over a certain period of time and so he will even start questioning it all like well maybe it's not maybe I'm just making that up you know, yeah. <laughs> just like when we see magical things and then we think, did I really see that? <laughs> I can think I'm going crazy. I don't know if that really happened. And so it's really the mind we have to work with. Yes. But it, it's the ego that starts to make up things like, don't go crazy. Like you didn't really see that. That's not real. Um, when really it is entirely real. <laughs> you know? Wow. Real is very relative. <laughs> I, wow. Okay. I hope everybody heard that okay. I think it sounded pretty good, actually. It was a little white noisy, but you did a good job. I, I took notes while I was listening, and I I was just fascinated with some of the things that she said. Okay, I have to be honest. I'm not familiar with Reiki. Reiki? Reiki. What's it called? <laughs> Reiki. I'm not really familiar with Reiki. So a lot of people aren't. And what she's actually talking about is not necessarily Reiki. It's she's speaking about being intuitive in general. And a lot of people aren't knowledgeable or know much about Reiki. So I really, we've already talked about it. I really want to share more about Reiki with you all. I already have planned with her to sit down and talk more because. Oh, that's great. I think you truly fascinating. I think that's a really great idea because she was talking about guide teams and stuff like that. And and that went over my head because I really don't understand it. So I think that would be a great thing to cover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She had seven imaginary friends. I would love to know what they all looked like. I mean, seriously. And her mother really was very supportive yeah and I like how it's not fed either 
I don't know how to verbalize that. Like, you know, she says she sees his imaginary friends and her mom isn't asking, are they good? Are they bad? Like, she's just accepting. Accepting. Period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so important, I think. And I think we did that. All of us did that with Dr. John, too, when Aiden. Yeah. You know, when Aiden saw Dr. John, I mean, we all asked him about him. What did Dr. John say today or whatever? You know, Mm -hmm. we never. Yeah. Asked him any negative type of things. Yeah. I just I like how she kind of just backed up what I was feeling, though, too. And like what you and I have just been talking about, though, that children don't have a filter that I just really like how she emphasized on that. Mm -hmm. And then children unlearn this world, I guess, this imaginary real world. And then they unlearn it. But that doesn't mean that they can unlearn this filtered world. They can they can relearn the. Yes. You know, the unveiled world. Yes. I thought that was beautiful how she phrased that. That was cool. One thing that really stuck out to me is thoughts are energy. Mm -hmm. She said that thoughts Mm -hmm. are energy. And I thought, well, I guess they are. They are. Yeah. I really like that. (laughs) And the dada thing with little Finn. (laughs) That was really good. Like you guys are one. And so why would he say mama? Because that's really like him and you. Yeah. We're like, we're, we're a team. (laughs) We're one in the same. Yeah. So Christy is amazing. I'm going to have her on with way more stuff. We definitely want to dive in deeper to different things with her. If you guys are interested in learning more about Christy, her website is going to be linked on our website, but it's www.christymarshwellness.com. Again, she's a Reiki master and an intuitive. She teaches. She's she's a beautiful soul. I, I instantly feel calm whenever I speak with her. Uh, you can also follow her on Instagram. I am Christy Marsh, and that's C-H-R-I-S-T-Y-M-A-R-S-H. Okay, so I emphasized this last time because I know some of our listeners aren't believers. So the following stories I'm going to share can be some entertainment for you, but maybe just maybe it will make you question. For those of you that believe, (laughs) be prepared for me to knock your socks off. (laughs) Here are some stories people have shared online of creepy things their children have shared with them. Okay. Are you freaked out? You're being quiet. I I just, I, I keep thinking of is that TikTok thing that you showed me last night about the little girl that's just talk I mean she's what maybe two and she's talking to something in front of her and just laughing and she keeps saying unky 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 she's talking to her deceased uncle and then psych sightseer the sightseer says yeah she's talking to her uncle he's standing right in front of her because he he sees he sees dead people and it was just like holy smokes this baby little toddler was having a conversation with somebody in front of her and she was laughing and giggling and just there was another tiktok i wanted to show you but my phone died there's a baby who's probably finn's age probably yeah probably finn's age a little over one and standing in his crib he's just like kind of looking up and he's smiling and then he like closes his eyes and it literally looks like he's being soothed like somebody's rubbing his head and he's looking at that person and smiling at that person it's crazy oh my gosh i mean put kids aside i know we're talking about kids but think about how many times like animals have a sense too i was just gonna bring that up 
they feel they they won't go into certain rooms sometimes right. or they'll just stare at something and know something's there that we can't see. They have the innocence of a child as well. Yeah. No, sense. I think it's the sixth sense that we we forgot how to use as adults. We we don't use it. I do. I think it's like ESP. I think it's that extra sensory perception of things because mm-hmm. the layers haven't been put on where you have to filter through it. Mm. Okay. Here's some stories. When my daughter was three years old, she started telling us that she was being woken up in the night by a man who kept tickling her feet. We figured she was just dreaming until we came across an old picture of my grandparents on their wedding day. And my daughter pointed at my grandfather and said, that's him. That's the man who tickles my feet. My grandfather passed away when I was six. Oh, my gosh. I think the whole spirit guide thing is a thing. When I had a Reiki session done with Christy, one of my grandfathers was my spirit guide. So I, you can't have relatives as your spirit guide. So that could have just easily been a spirit guide. It's just somebody that's there for you, your little guardian angel, what have you. Yeah, I'll call them my guardian angels. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. I never believed in ghosts. Still not sure if I do. But my two-year-old has been seeing things in our house. Scared of the reflection in our bathroom mirror sometimes. Tells us no ghost in baby sister's room today and other random things like conversations with the wall found on the baby monitor. All imagination, right? Cute imaginary friend, right? Then I asked him, is it a man or a woman, boy or girl, to get his imagination going? He said it was an old lady like grandma. Her name is Bess. Turns out the previous owner died in the house in her 90s. We never knew this until we asked our agent after the conversation with our son. Then I tell our neighbor the story, and he revealed the late owner's name was Bess. That name was never mentioned before. Well, who who has, I mean, that's an old name. Why would you even? Nope. No, you wouldn't talk about a Bess. I'm a practical person, but still kind of want to move now. (laughs) No kidding. But... Bess would probably just be a kind old woman that is watching over the children. And I like how they had these kind of open-ended questions of, is it a man, woman, boy, or girl? Because that's another thing I was reading is like, there are parents that are real, real believers in this stuff, right? So if their child says a weird comment or something, the parent really reads into it, and then they give them leading questions. Yeah. So it, that's hard, too. So, well, it, it's it's not a way to debunk it, mm-mm. you know, if it is just an imaginary friend or something that the child is really seeing. Okay, so I mentioned auras. Yes. So everybody mm-hmm. has a different color aura. And there are people that can read these auras and they see these. It's just fascinating. Just like you see spirits or feel spirits, these people feel color or see color. It's fascinating. Uh, yeah, it is. So this has to do with that. Hanging out with my fourth grade daughter, shooting the breeze, she says, yeah, like, you know, those colors around people's heads? Huh? What? You see colors? Yeah, sort of. I could see them better when I was little. Now, just a little. What color is mine? Sort of blue. Honey, you know what those colors are? They're auras. Not everyone can see them. So a lot of people don't even believe they exist. 
eyes wide. Mom, don't tell anyone. I don't want them to think of me as weird. Oh, oh. <laughs> that breaks my heart. I know, because it's it's a gift. Even if uh, you're good at drawing, it's a gift. It's just a different gift. Definitely. Yeah, but how many people don't see it that way? They either see it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of closed mind people in this world in many ways. Well, you know, they either see it as a bad thing, you know, a cursed thing, or they like this kid's making it up type thing. Mm -hmm. When I was a teenager, I used to babysit my cousin, Alyssa. She was little, maybe almost two, maybe a little older, old enough to say sentences. I'm giving her a bath before bed when she looks out into the hallway and gets a terrified look on her face and starts crying. At this moment, my aunt's Pomeranian starts going nuts as well, (laughs) barking and growling into the hallway. The atmosphere in the room becomes uncomfortable, and I started getting scared. I took her downstairs from the third floor in the townhouse to try and calm her down. I asked her what was wrong, and she said something along the lines of, The man with the black eyes was there. Hmm? When I continued to pry, she looked up at the second floor stairs. Her eyes getting big and looks at me. Bringing her finger up to her mouth, she said, Shh, while shaking her head. No. Is that the end? I want to know more. (laughs) That's the end. (laughs) A poor little girl. And again, that brings me back to that psychic kids show. How scared these kids have to be. That's terrifying. I mean, you've seen The Sixth Sense, the movie. <laughs> I love that movie. I love that movie, but how <laughs> scary yeah. to see that and not understand what you're seeing or why you're seeing it. Yeah. And nobody else can see it. And nobody else can see it, yeah. Or feel it. And a lot of parents would think you're nuts. Okay. When my daughter was around eight years old, she twice saw the apparition of a tall man wearing a cowboy hat in our apartment. (laughs) One time, he's standing in the hallway with a woman and child, all of them dressed in old-fashioned clothes. Another time, she saw him lying beside me in bed. (laughs) That time, his eyes were glowing bright red. She and I never said anything to the landlord who lived downstairs because we weren't sure how he would react. One day I decided to test the waters by nonchalantly asking the landlord if he had ever seen anything strange. He said he had once seen a man come up through the door that led into the basement. It was one of those doors that closed flush with the floor. Walk across the kitchen and pass right through the back door. Mm. I asked him to describe the apparition and he said it was a tall man wearing a cowboy hat. (gasps) Oh my gosh. That that almost makes it scarier when somebody like backs up the story too. Well, it validates it. Mm-hmm. I don't know about scary, but that's why I want to know about the man with the black eyes. I'm sorry, but that would be terrifying if I'm just like laying in bed, scrolling TikTok, and here comes Aiden like, oh, there's a cowboy laying next to you. With red glowing eyes. Well, even without red glowing eyes. Mom, there's a cowboy laying next to you. I'd be like, what? what? <laughs> I mean, think about it. how would you really react? I'm like, okay, Aiden, go play Lego. <laughs> that sounds like a horrible mom scrolling know, TikTok. And I'm like, come on, see you later, kid. What are you doing laying in bed? I never. TikTok I actually never get to lay in to bed. Go. I was just trying to stick with the story here. But <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, what if 
I'm sitting down to breakfast enjoying my coffee. Well, it sounds oh, there's like there's an old woman sitting next to you. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> it sounds like the little girl, though, that saw the cowboy did not tell her mom when she saw it. They were just sitting around talking when she brought it up. It almost makes it creepier. It's like, why didn't you tell why me? Why didn't you tell me you saw somebody with red eyes laying next <laughs> laying to me? next to me in bed. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay, I got a few more. Oh, good. My parents bought a 150-year-old house when I was three months old, and my mom had a few odd instances when I was a baby, like a cat freaking out at nothing or all the kitchen cupboards all randomly being open when she walked in the room, even with no one else in the home. I was a very imaginative toddler with a bunch of imaginary friends, one being Harvey or the old man who lived on the stairs. That's how she described him to her mother. Okay. Although an odd choice of friend for a two-year-old little girl, she wasn't overly concerned and all my friends eventually disappeared by the time I was three and a half, well before my younger sister's first birthday. A year or so later, as soon as my sister started really talking, she also began sitting on the bottom step, having full conversations with the old man who lived on the stairs. There was absolutely no overlap in our experiences, and my mother was understandably freaked out. But once again, by the time she was three or four, my sister stopped talking to Harvey, right around the time our youngest sister was born. Gosh. As she neared her second birthday, when I was about nine, we started renovations on a previously untouched fourth bedroom to give me my own room. We tore down about 10 layers of wallpaper down to the bare plaster walls and found exquisite pencil drawings covering the walls. Huge castles sitting on rocks with waves crashing at their feet, lighthouses and landscapes. All were signed Harvey, Harvey. in a flourishing script. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's crazy. I know. I have like nothing to say. That one was such a cool story. Yeah. But it, it stops when they're like three or four. I wonder why. I don't know. Because they're still little ones. I mean, some kids just start when they're that old, you know? It's, know. it's weird how that, how the different ages. Uh, it's really weird. Okay, I just have two more. We took my three-year-old daughter to meet my wife's grandmother who lived on the other side of the country. We walk in the house and my daughter doesn't even look at her great-grandmother but instead goes straight over to a picture of her great-great-grandmother, points at it and says, quote, that's the lady who lives in my room. She's nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, part of you is like, oh, that's so sweet. The other part is like, okay, that's kind of creepy, though. There is no sweet in my word right now. <laughs> that's creepy as what heck. If, what if your grandmother, what if Ami was haunting Aiden? Haunting's a bad word. Hanging out with Aiden. <laughs> Would that be creepy? No, he'd have a blast, actually. But right, like, it's the same thing. Wow. I think the part that creeps us out is that we don't see it and we don't understand it. And we know they're dead. Right. <laughs> but to a child, again, it's just what they see. There's no filter. And And the child would not have seen a picture of this old lady before then? Has Aiden seen a picture of Ami? Oh, my refrigerator. Oh, yeah. I guess. That's true. But not a lot of people 
And I don't know if he knows that that was my grandmother and that no, you and Katie, so. when you were little, were the ones sitting next to her. In that picture. Right. No, yeah, if my grandmother true. came back and hung out with the boys, it would be, I mean, she always gave me a sense of protection, so. I know. That was my last one. Oh, I darn. I had another. I'm so sorry. Gosh, Beth. I just had my closing paragraph. Got me all <laughs> jazzed up for another one, because those are fascinating. Aren't they fun? Yeah. They're bizarre. <laughs> Mom asked me after she told me her topic she was covering. So who should go first, me or you? And I was like, we're going to do a normal episode here and we're going to end light. (laughs) I will go last. (laughs) Even though yours is still lingering. It left a bad taste in my mouth. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun. Okay, now for my closing paragraph, Mom. Okay. So maybe it's really children seeing spirits. Maybe it's just imagination. Or maybe the child has believers, like me, as parents, and therefore when something is said that's a bit spooky, I read into it. The parents read into it. Maybe he saw a glimpse of Toothy in my pocket as I sat down to dinner. Maybe he was thinking the same thing about recognizing the actress in Harry Potter as well. Maybe it's a coincidence. I don't think it is. (laughs) You know... Aiden is a special kid. I mean, they're all special. Don't get me wrong, but he. But when it comes to this he just kind of has, thing, he's very in tuned with things. He is. He I is, mean, and he always has been. He, Do you he remember just that? Knows how you feel though. Like he knows if you're. He'll just randomly come up and kiss me on the cheek and be like, "Don't be sad." You know what I mean? Like he just has always been in tune to emotions. He feels. Well, he's extremely he's very sensitive. Em- he's very empathetic. Like he is an empath for sure. I mean, I'm not going to be calling up Dr. Tucker anytime soon to come test out my kid, but it's very intriguing. And I think that's why I like to read about it and learn about it because I'm not saying he should go off and start reading people and being a psychic or whatever. If that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. But to be in tune with your gift, like my gift that I still don't understand how I could sense things at the Flavelle house, but I... It does. I I believe we had a listener make a comment about that and say something like she's probably good with people and reading people if they're good and they have good intentions. And and I do. I I can meet somebody and I can read people very well. I freaked Alex many a times. (laughs) Just weird. Yeah. Like I get a lot of not a lot, but I do get quite a few glimpses into the future. Mm hmm. Uh, I, I've learned that if I all of a sudden something hits me and says, don't go that way, take another route home, I will do it. I will listen to that sense or whatever, because it's just, uh, and you know, what? I have no idea if something would have happened had I not listened sure. to it, but you've learned not to risk it. either. I don't want to risk that. But here I am sitting here as a 33 year old woman still asking I want to learn more about my gift. That's why I want Aiden to not be afraid of whatever he's experiencing either. And if it is something, if it's not and it's all coincidence, then here I am just the kooky parent like, oh my God, I would love my child to have a gift. But if it is something, again, I mentioned drawing. I want you to keep practicing that drawing. I Mm -hmm. want you to understand your gift. Well, wasn't he the one at your one of your old houses that I was not comfortable with. Um, anyway, there was always a weird feeling, but where he was sitting in the kitchen, he saw something behind, or was that you? Do you remember? 
That was me. You saw something behind my sister-in-law, Fran. Uh, it was my old house, and I had been seeing shadow figures in that house towards the end of us that? living there. Our most recent last house. Yeah. I had been seeing shadow figures. We'd had weird experiences in the basement there, but... I refused to sleep down there. She did. She I, did. I, I was so uncomfortable in that basement. So uncomfortable. Uh, but I kept seeing the shadow figures like all week. And what's interesting is I... Alex finally admitted that he was too. He did? Mm-hmm. Out of the corner of his eye, you'd just think somebody was passing a doorway. And you'd look and nobody'd be there. And be like, I swear I saw something. Yeah. But I saw what looked like kind of a shadow figure kind of walk behind my sister-in-law as mm-hmm. we were having some kind of conversation. I think I think we were talking about going shopping at Nordstrom, to be honest with you. And I saw the this just kind of like, it looked like somebody just walked behind her, but I knew nobody was upstairs. I'm like, gosh, there it is again. And all of a sudden she just got, she goes, oh, she's got covered in goosebumps. And she, she started getting really emotional. I was like, are you okay? I said, because... And I told her what I saw. And she goes, it felt like somebody just touched me. So she felt it. I saw it. And I wasn't going to say anything about it until she reacted to something. And she has a gift. But she's really good about turning it off. She doesn't want it interfering (laughs) with her. She is always covered in crystals, covered in crystals all the time to protect herself. But she felt it. And that really, that really freaked her out. I don't know what that was. Because there was only one other family that lived in there before us. I know, but I, that house. But should we have been afraid? Was it just spirit energy that, again, we just didn't understand, so we were scared? I don't know. The basement just scared the heck out I of never, me. I never hung out in our basement. The only time I went down there was to record with you. And, and then I literally would do the turn off the light and sprint up the stairs every time me too. I was in that basement. I hated to go down there. I know. By myself. And you always thought that it was because we told scary stories down there in that. Yeah. We brought it onto ourselves. Room. So we talked about scary things in there. So, but we talk about scary things in this room and I don't feel negative down here at mm-hmm. all. So there was definitely something in that house. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it could have been. I'm going to pull a Zach. It was built on an ancient burial ground. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. But I didn't Aiden, though, when he was little, he said something about seeing a little boy or mm-hmm. a, a gosh, kid. Janet, I wish I could remember that. I know exactly what you're talking about. That was in the house before last. Yeah. I was there and he was like, yeah, there's a little kid right there. Mm. But he would have Dr. John. Oh, my gosh. Dr. John has been around for a long time. Dr. John was always around. Not anymore, but but he was always around. Yeah, he I mean, he was Dr. John would tell him the right things to do. Dr. John would tell him what's wrong and why he shouldn't do things. Mm -hmm. Dr. John, I mean, he had conversations with Dr. John. All the time. Doctor, he could describe him perfectly to us. I would, I would say something like, "Chew with your mouth closed." I'm like, "Oh yeah, Doctor John tells me I need to not talk with food in my mouth." And he was three. Yeah, and he'd be like, "Okay," and then I'd always say, "Thanks, Doctor John," because <laughs> <laughs> Doctor John was a really good influence. <laughs> Maybe Nolan needs to meet Doctor John. Oh, poor Nolan. Here, Aiden is so sensitive to things. And Nolan's like, Mom, you have legs like baby Finn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, honey. Yeah, but he's such a sweetheart. 
he cuddled with me tonight when we were watching TV. Little sweetie. When we were watching Bluey, a cartoon made for adults. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. Literally. (laughs) Adult parents. I think I cry every episode. Bluey is great. All right. Well, I don't know if these were bizarre or just random stories. (laughs) I think they're all all are pretty bizarre. I loved it. I mean, I love that we do this every 10th episode, just something totally different. Me too. And, you know, it. I mean, we both are creative in the fact that we want to share with our listeners things that we find bizarre. So I always have a list in my phone of like true crime cases that I mm-hmm. want to cover and some paranormal places that I want to cover. But my list of the bizarre stories is 10 times longer. <laughs> See? <laughs> anyway, I, on my behalf... I am sorry if I got people t- disgusted. I'm, I, I'm thinking I should be the one apologizing. I think I took it up a notch <laughs> with all the questions. So I'm sorry. That's me, though. I was that kid in class with all the questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you want to hear more of my questions <laughs> <laughs> and mom's story, please join us on Patreon. The episode will be coming out next week. You get us every week. <laughs> Well, I'm finished with my drink. Mine's been gone. That's the weird questions, I think. We'll put all of our sources on our website, killerhangoverpodcast.com. You can always, obviously, you're listening to us on whatever podcast platform you like. We're also on YouTube and Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, the works. Everything, everything. And Beth has got everything lined up really nicely. You'll see that on our website. There is a link on there. You click it and it just brings everything that we're on up and you can click on those links and get right to where you want to go. Yep. There's a link in the description of this episode, wherever you're listening. And that link can take you to any of our social media platforms. You can buy us a drink on Venmo or PayPal, or you can join our Patreon, whichever. We appreciate all of the support. We do always and remember leave a comment yes if you have some creepy stories about your kids i want to know please thank you again christy talking with you was amazing and i cannot wait to talk to you again soon thanks girlfriend oh and thank you missy for these glasses they're awesome (laughs) they really are cheers mama (laughs) cheers love you kid (laughs) 